Welcome to the Rhema Young Adults Podcast, where we focus on developing a God-centered life. We're so glad you are here, and our hope is to see young adults grow and take steps in their walk with God. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you, Lord. You know, these times are, times like these are so necessary and so important. It's, and you can just see what the Lord is doing. Um, it's just really cool. It's really wonderful how God will use you and your personality but yet there's still so much more that we can experience. And uh, I believe that there's things that God wants us to experience. And it's not on accident that, you know, you see these different things happening around the country and college campuses and uh, in church services. I know in, in, in my church, and I know normally, you know, I'd come up and crack a joke or, hey, my name is, what's my name? Kenneth Estrada. <laughs> there's your joke for the night. Um, uh, and all the pleasantries and, and all that, but it's, it's just really cool what he's doing. I'll tell you this, even at our church, my um, pastor church in Kissimmee, Florida, and, um, and last Sunday, uh, man, something like this, similar to this happened, and we have multiple services. We have two services, and uh, it was like a, a flow just hit that first service, and it... And we like to be organized. I like organization and all that. But there's still just, uh, it's still necessary for there to be a flow at times. And um, I love your hungry hearts because, you know, what God does is he does visit those hungry hearts. And I remember in Psalms, the Bible talks about how the angels said, what is it about man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? And I believe that uh, God just likes to come and just, just manifest himself and just allow us to take part in his presence. And so we had that first service and it wasn't my plan at all. I mean, I had a good message lined up and uh, service just didn't end. I mean, it was one of those things where we didn't have a protocol for this. <laughs> we just didn't know what to do and um, we... I just said at the end, I was like, I, I don't know. We got people coming in there in the lobby waiting. So just open doors. You guys can leave if you got to leave. Um, second service, y'all come on in and just, I told the praise team, just keep singing. They, they had no break. And I was like, volunteers, I apologize. I know you probably want your break and want to be able to reset and all that. But it was just one of those things. And uh, it, I'm, not, um, I'm not even surprised by this. Because I believe that God's doing something with this generation. I believe that God's doing something. There's, there's something stirring. And even with that whole Jesus Revolution movie coming out at the time that it did, it's not on accident that, that it came out at this time. And, um, and for me, uh, something happened. And, uh, and even being here, it's reminded me of when I was here, when I was 17 and 18 and 19. And the hunger that I had and the hunger that I did not lose, but... 
How many know that there's always more that we can experience? There's more. God is revealing things to us, praise God, but there's more. There's more that he has for us to experience and to, um, to deal with. And so back at our Ramus camp meeting for the 50th year, 50th celebration, um, it was so powerful. It, it impacted my life so much. And I remember that Saturday morning, my wife and I were getting ready to fly back to Florida. And I'm just in the hotel room and I'm spending some time in prayer with the Lord. And uh, Brother Hagen, uh, Pastor Hagen's father, Miss Denise's grandfather, Wesley's great grandfather, Wesley's children, great great grandfather, you know, soon to be, not yet, not yet, Wes, wherever you're, not yet, take your time, take your time, take your time. Uh, <laughs> your mom was about to probably pass out in a second. Uh, but he, he would make this statement where he would say, I'd much rather be a little bit behind God than get out ahead of him, right? Because if you get out ahead of him, when he moves this way, it's hard for you to see when he shifts direction. But if I can just be behind him just a little bit, at least I can see when he moves this way. But for me, as I was praying, there was some stuff that the Lord was dealing with me about my life and my ministry and just some places and some things that he wants to do uh, in my life, in my wife's life. And, um, and honestly, I'm not really looking for more to do. I don't know about you. I mean, I know, you know, you guys are young adults, but sometimes it just feels like I have nothing left on my plate. I'm not looking to be more busy. You know, I mean, even with some things that he ha- he's having me do, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I love being at home. I love being at my church. I love my family, even though my kids, they can kind of get on my nerves sometimes because uh, I got, uh, I, lo- I do love them, just in case y'all talk to my kids. Uh, I have um, uh, three kids by birth, eight, 10, and 14. Two boys, one girl, and then we have uh, some adopted kids that are, they're older, so. You know, we don't love them as, I'm kidding. Uh, no, uh, one is 23, the other is 25, the other is 28. And uh, we had them since they were teenagers. But, um, you know, even during COVID, when, when the whole lockdown, I was so happy to finally get those kids out of the house because the boys especially were doing stupid stuff. You know what I mean? We were doing, y'all remember those times, that, I don't know if you know what all was going on, but a lot of pastors doing a lot of, you know, Facebook lives and all that. So my wife and I, we were doing stuff on our phone, recording stuff, because media team were like, hey, y'all, we, we got this. We were the media team. Um, and so one night while we were doing some recording, uh, when we were done, great service, great time. I mean, hundreds of people watching and commenting, and we came out like, oh, that was so good. And um, uh, when was this? This was three years ago, so let's see, there would have been seven and five, and um, we come out, and my son, the 10-year-old, he says, uh, Daddy, uh, he said, please don't be mad. So, of course, you know, that's a like, hold up now, what's going on? But uh, he said, um, he said, I pushed out this, we pushed out the screens out of the window, and I walked outside, you know, I'm in the living room, I walked outside, and so, sure enough, three screens are out. And it was like one of those things where, all right, you know what, 
This is not one of those things I need to blow my top. So I picked it up and I started to put it back in and I walked back inside and he said, Dad, please don't be mad. And I was like, what happened? He said, we pushed out all the screens. So we start walking around the house and every single screen is out. Yeah, every single screen is out on the floor. And not just that, I found out that... um, they got up on the roof. I mean, this is, this is, yeah, this is stuff I found out afterwards. And they didn't tell us this until later on. Um, and my, my wife and I, we, we were in the room and we're talking. And we're, we're hyping each other up. Let's, let me tell you something. No mercy for these kids. You, you don't be soft. Like, that's what my wife is telling me. You don't be soft. I'm like, you don't be soft. We're going we're gonna to take care of this right now. You, we're going to take care of this. And sure enough, while we're plotting as far as the proper punishment, like, is this death? Is this, is this... Is this something worthy of dying? Um, they come in the room and they said, we know it's not going to help anything, but we're really sorry. Please forgive us. And I'm, I look at my wife and uh, <laughs> she's like, <laughs> so we melted. But anywho, um, I only mention that because I talk about how much I love my kids, even though they can annoy me sometimes. But um, I just sense like the Lord was just really doing some stuff in my heart, and, and I almost got to a place of tears. And I'm not a crier. Now, something happens when you get a little bit older. Um, as a man, where I don't know what happens. Like, just these tear ducts just start to leak a little bit. And I'm not trying to, you know, but I don't know if that happened with you, Don. Or, or, okay, is it, is it just a real thing? It's a weird thing. It's like, what in the world is going on? Um, but, and see, now I'm talking about it, and it's taking me back to those emotions. So I ain't going to cry. You get back up in there. Um, but I was just at a place of just where I was almost wrecked. Because I, I spoke to Lynette, my wife, and I said, I said, babe, I said, I just sense this urgency. That there's things that God wants to accomplish. And I don't believe that was just for me. I believe that that's stuff for all of us. That there's some things that God wants to do in us and through us. That especially with this generation, that, that you're not an accident. It's not an accident that you're here. I mean, you are here at this time. You're alive at this time. You're here at this time because he saved the best of the best. And the wonderful thing about God is that he doesn't look at us as just where we are now, but he looks at us as far as where we're going. He sees us at the end result. And even though in all your imperfections, in all the mistakes, despite all the things that have been said about you, despite all the bad things that happened to you in your past, God is still so good. He's still so merciful. He still has a plan and a purpose for your life. And so um, I started telling them, I said, babe, I don't want to move so slow, though. Where it's like God moves on from me because he's like, you're taking too long. I just want to obey him. I want to do what he's telling me to do. I wanna, uh, and, and so there's just some things where what started happening was what really started burning in my heart was just make room. Son, just make room. Make room in your heart. Make room in your schedule. Make room in your time. And I'll tell you this, that uh, it's not because I'm a pastor that this is that because a lot of pastors, we can get so busy that we don't really make room. It's easy. We know the word of God. I I went through Ramah. I've been taught the word. I can just, I can preach something at the drop of a hat. 
but really, I just don't want to give you words of something that I've prepared. But what, what was said to me um, by the Spirit was, I, I heard this over and over again as I was praying one time, words from heaven for this generation. Words from heaven for this generation. Words from heaven for this generation. And, and that's what I'm desiring, that even in the time that we have here, and I'm going to rush through some things, and um, everything's already kind of completely changed as far as, not everything, but some things have already changed. But I really just want to stir your heart up and share this with you because I believe that God's really calling us and beckoning us to just make room. I know that, that, that some of us have already done so, but how many would say that there's still some more room that I can make for God? I mean, he wants, he wants your heart, he wants your time, he wants your schedule, he wants your decisions, and he's just asking us, just make room because there's some things that he wants to do in our life. The Bible talks about how there's deep things in God, and, and there are some believers, and even uh, those that have been saved for a long time, that where they're just like coasting. And God never intended for us to just coast, for us to just go through our life and just, uh, yes, we can enjoy life. You can be down to earth, and this is my desire. I just, I, I, I purposely want to show that I can be down to earth, while at the same time showing that there's, a, there's this side, there's this spiritual side where God wants to do some mighty things in us and through us. And I've seen wonderful things happen, deaf ears open, blind eyes open, uh, lame getting up and walking, wonderful things. And these things happen and these things are available to all of us. But I'm not going to sit back and just be so content with what just happened, but I'm like, Lord, what else is there? What else do you want to do through me? What else do you want? Even if it's not me. I mean, when I say through me, I don't mean I have to be the person on the stage. I just mean, what else? Who can I talk to that I can influence to where now they're stepping out and they're doing what God has called them to do? He just kept saying, make room. Make room. Make room. Make room. And I just want to stir you up in that to just say, make room. Let me go over a few scriptures with you. Well, actually, let's go to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke 9, verse 23. I'm saying go there, but I got some of y'all sitting down. I'll just read some of these fast. Amplified, classic. It reads this way. It says, and he said to all, if any person, this is Jesus talking, if any person wills to come after me, let him deny himself, disown himself, forget, lose sight of himself and his own interests. Refuse and give up himself and take up his cross daily and follow me, cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living and if need be in dying also. And this is what God wants us to do. Is Here's, here's the thing. To become a Christian, it was the easiest thing, wasn't it? To just believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. I mean, you didn't have to do a cartwheel because God knows if that was the case, I, I wouldn't have made it. Um, you don't have to do anything like that. You just believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. But to follow Jesus, Jesus did not make it easy. If you're going to be a true follower of Christ, there's some sacrifice that has to take place. There's some laying down of your life. There's some disowning your life. There's some laying down of your plans. And listen, I had my plans. Before I came to Rama, I was, um, uh, so my wife is an ORU grad and, and, uh, and then she went to Rama afterwards. I'm a Rama grad and I had plans to go to ORU after, uh, but God had different plans um, for me. But even prior to coming out to Rama, I, I actually graduated from high school at a very young age. Uh, I graduated, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 16. 
I mean, with permission, not, not like, so, no one, yes, he did it, I can do it too. No, your broke self might not be able to make it. I'm kidding. I'm just I'm talking to somebody else who's not here. Um, but no, I, I went to college when I was 16. I graduated from high school when I was 16, went off to college. And, uh, and then the Lord dealt with me about um, going into the ministry. And, uh, and then, so while I was at, uh, I was actually... I was at a school called the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale. I had my plans. I was going to go into multimedia programming, and, and, um, and uh, I was going to go into business with my older brother. He was going into computer animation, and we were going to make video games and all kinds of stuff, make buku money, just a whole bunch of money. And, and, and really, I had no plan, no heart, no desire whatsoever to be in the ministry. I'm a, I'm a process kid, preacher's kid, you know. And, you know, when you're a preacher's kid, you see some stuff, and you, <laughs> you know, uh, God bless church people. You know what I mean? Just, you, you love them. You love church people. And, and as you can tell, we're, we're not perfect. Like, none of us are perfect. And so there were some things that I saw my dad go through that I was like, there's no way I want to deal with that. There's no way. I, and not just that, but there ain't that much money in the ministry. That's what I thought. And it's really true. Unless you trust God. Y'all follow me? So anyways, the Lord dealt with me, and, and uh, I was actually in school, loving the college. Uh, we had a Bible study going in, in, in the dorms, and, and people were coming in every week and getting saved and all that. But, but the Lord dealt with me and said, I need you to come out and go on to Rama. I didn't plan on talking about any of this. And, uh, well, actually, he didn't even say Rama. I didn't know what school it was. I didn't even know where a Rama was. I thought Rama, when I, when I looked it up, I thought it was in Oregon. Uh, Pastor Denise, this, here's what happened. So, uh, oh God, I could get in trouble. Um, so this is, this is uh, picture it, Sicily. I'm kidding. Uh, the year 2000. And um, so I just graduated from high school. And, and really, uh, I started getting serious about the things of God and started hanging with some friends that were serious about the things of God too. That's why your relationships are important. That's why who you choose to be in your circle is important. That's why I congratulate y'all for coming out on a Monday night. Y'all just love Jesus that much. On a Monday night, you're, you're in a service. Did they promise to feed y'all or something? I mean, what's... How many of you here because you want to be? Okay. How many of you here because a friend dragged you here? One person. All right, good. One honest person. Nice. Uh, but here's the thing is that... Is I didn't even know about it. Now, I was actually named after Brother Hagen. Um, quick story. My, my parents, uh, my dad actually got a book. They were in ministry on another island. And, um, and it was real tough for them. And somebody put in their hands the book, What to Do When Faith Seems Weak and Victory Loss. And my dad said that saved his ministry. So I have an older brother. And um, uh, they were on an island. A hurricane had hit that island. And they were without power for... Uh, about three years or something like that. So it was a real challenging time, tough time uh, back in the olden days. And, um, and so that book saved his life. And so had an older brother. Well, they wanted a girl. And so at the hospital, they were expecting a girl because this is making me feel kind of old. Uh, but you couldn't really tell. I don't know why, but at least on the island, you couldn't tell what you were having. So they were just like, oh, we're going to have a girl. I don't know how they thought that. So at the hospital, they even had girl clothes for me, so I was the first drag baby that there was, I guess. And, um, and so 
they had another name for me. Uh, and when I came out as a boy, then they're like, well, what do we do? What do we name him? And so my dad said, we're going to call him Kenneth. Because what happened was earlier that year, he got a chance to come. Somebody sponsored him. He got a chance. He's not a Raymond grad, but he got a chance to come out here to a camp meeting a uh, few months before I was born. And he had a chance to, to shake Brother Hagin's hand and say, thank you so much. Your book saved my life, saved my ministry and all that. So it was just kind of cool how I ended up here. Not even, I just never heard about Arema. I never heard about any of that. But what happened was I picked up a, one of those mini books, you know, they're real good to read on the toilet. And, um, <laughs> true story. And so I read it and, and in the book, he's talking about the great depression and all these different things. And I was like, man, how old is this guy? And so I, th- I was thinking like, this guy is at the time, this is 2000. I was thinking this guy is gone. He's dead, you know? And so here's what happened. So I saw one of your dad's books, Pastor Hagen, and, um, and on the back of the book had his picture. I think it was the book, It's Your Move. On the back of the book had his picture. I was at a church and they had these different books and I was just hungry. I started like, okay, let me read something. I saw, I said, it said Kenneth Hagen Jr. Back then they used to call him Kenneth Hagen Jr. And I said, that's the son? I said, well, if that's the son, then the father must be dead. True, true story. Please don't tell on me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a true story. I really thought so. But, but anyways, when the Lord dealt with me about coming out to Ramah, and I was like, why, why is it so important? Why the time? Why now? Why can't I just stay? I'm not telling anybody to drop out of college or whatever. For me, this is what the Lord said to me. He said, come out now and trust me. And it didn't make any sense. Like, why? Why? I mean, uh, Ramah... I thank God, thank God for ORU, thank God for Rhema, thank God for the different schools that you guys are going to. Um, and, and so Rhema's still going strong, but for me it was just at that time, there were some relationships that God wanted me to have and some experiences that he wanted me to have that had I waited, had I waited for just three years, because it just didn't make sense in my mind. Like, Lord, why am I doing this? It just makes no sense. Had I waited for three years, because I would have gotten my bachelor's in three years. I was on a fast track to get that done. Had I just waited for three years, what would have happened was by the time I got to the school, Brother Hagin would have already gone home to be with the Lord. So when I got here at age 17, under the minimum age of acceptance, I don't even know how that happened. Um, I had the honor and privilege of, of serving at Raymond Bible Church and working here at the ministry. Uh, in what was called back then the tape duplication department, had the honor of traveling the road with the Raymond Singers Band a few times, with, uh, with, with Dad Hagen, I would have missed out on some of those things. Now, it's not like it's not still going on, but for me at that time, that's what God had for me. And I needed to make room in my schedule, in my life, in my plans for him to do that because it was so necessary. The relationships, I think by the time I came, you guys would have already been gone and, and starting uh, what you guys did and I would have missed out on the relationship. They were just, so you know, they were my school of the Bible teachers, which was the singles, young adults, and they were phenomenal. So um, let's open the Bible. Oh, we did already. I was like, I didn't read a scripture. So y'all got a scripture. But Jesus didn't make it easy for someone to follow him. You remember that time where one guy said, Lord, I want to follow you, but man, let me at least 
bury my dad. I mean, he just died. And Jesus was like, let the dead bury the dead. And I would think like, that's just kind of mean, Jesus. I mean, family's important, but he said, no, let the dead bury the dead. Then the one rich ruler that came and, and, and said, you know, I've, what must I do? And I've done all these things from birth. And Jesus said, well, sell all that you got and give it to the poor. And the Bible says that he turned away and he was very sad, got depressed because he was so wealthy. Not that Jesus is against you being wealthy. It's just that what Jesus saw was that his heart was so connected to his money that he wasn't willing to part with it. And this was going to be a challenge. Y'all with me? So let me read to you some stuff in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. It says, therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom, somebody say kingdom, which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Let me skip down. Let me read it to you in the passion. It reads this way. Um, It says, since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, somebody say unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest word. This is what he wants. The purest worship that delights his heart as we do what? As we lay down our lives in what? In absolute surrender. In absolute surrender filled with awe. Let's go on. And it says this. It says, for our God is indeed a consuming fire. Then it goes on to say in chapter 13, verse 1, because you know the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses. So it's the same uh, letter. It says, no matter what, it says what? Somebody shout it out. Say, make room. No matter what, make room in your heart to love every believer. I know some of you have been hurt from church people, but yet God still wants you to do what? Make room in your heart for every believer. Well, the last time I was part of that group, or the last time I, was, I went to that church, the last time I went to, to young adults, I mean, you know, so-and-so, they didn't, like, they, didn't just, they didn't like the way I smelled. Well, I'm editing stuff in my mind as I, as I talk to you. But could it be that God is wanting us to make room in our hearts that it's not just about, because people will say things about, all I need is my, I just need Jesus. I don't need nobody else. I just need Jesus. No, you need people. You need, God created us as relational beings. Whether you're an extrovert, introvert, introverted, extrovert, extroverted, introvert, we need people. Amazing thing is Adam in the beginning, had this wonderful relationship with God, and I would think that, man, that's cool. God will come down in the cool of the day and talk with him and chill with him and all that. Adam, what you did today? Oh, you named that? What you named that? Lion. Good name, Adam. Good name. I like that. And we'll just kind of chill with him and have these conversations. But then God himself saw that, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. In other words, he said, my relationship with man, as important as it is, as necessary as it is, it's not enough. And I know he created him a wife, but basically what I'm saying is that he realized that his relationship alone is not enough, that we need each other. And I want to say to you, you got to make room in your life because what you need, I mean, the things that you need, you're not going to get it just on your own, just because you spend time in the word and just because you spend time in the presence of God. Yes, that's important, but there are some things that he's going to get across to you because he's called you to be in relationship with some people. And when God wants to do something supernatural in your life, he'll bring a supernatural relationship. But on the flip side, when Satan wants to do something supernatural in your life, he'll also bring a supernatural relationship. This is why in college dorms and in college campuses all over, that there's some challenges and there's some situations because of the relationships that we have. And not just that, but what they're pumping into the minds 
of people, and they're not just waiting until college now, they're doing it from elementary school. Somebody said, make room. 2 Corinthians 6.13, Passion Translation. 2 Corinthians 6.13, it says, So I speak to you as our children. Make room. Somebody say it again. Say make room. Make room in your hearts for us as we have done for you. So here, Paul, he's actually, to me, he's kind of saying some stuff to this church like this was a jacked up church. He's saying some stuff like, hey, we've, we've opened our hearts to you. Open your hearts to us. But I believe that this is the heart of God. Where God is saying, hey, I, 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 I want to do such wonderful and amazing things in your life, but I'm just needing you to just make room for me. Make room for me. And I don't know what that looks like to you, but I know that there are some adjustments that I had to make. There's some things that I had to sacrifice. There's some decisions that I wanted to make that I could not make because if I'm making room for God, if I want, um, y'all here with me still? Everybody here with me? If I wanted to, to do the will of God, where not, I don't want to be out of the will of God, I don't want your permissive will, I want the perfect will of God. There's a laying down, there's a, there's a, there's a disowning of my life, there's a, there's a denying myself and my decisions and my choices and what I want to do because there, it's not just about me, but there are people that are depending on you. Somebody's been praying for you to come across their path where you'll just give them an encouraging word, that, they'll, that, that, that they're waiting on you to just lay hands on them, that they're waiting on you to just say something to, to move and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. That ain't just for the fivefold ministry gifts, that's for believers, In um, 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, let's go here and I'll start to close. I know that's dangerous. You heard start to close, right? Because it's about like seven closings or so. Um, in 1 Kings chapter 18, let me kind of back this up a little bit. What's happening is at this time, Elijah, um, he proclaimed a drought over the land where he was. And this was like the worst drought that they had ever, ever experienced. And so no rain, no dew on the earth, not a cloud in the sky, just nothing, just dry. And, um, and all this happened, you know, God commanded ravens to feed him. Then God told him, leave from there. And, and, and I've commanded a widow woman to feed you in this place and all this stuff. And so now in chapter 18, you know, uh, there's this part where, he says this where, where he tells the king, Ahab, he said, hey, go. He said, for I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And just um, two weeks ago in our church, when I was getting ready to walk out of my office to, uh, to the sanctuary, I heard that. I, heard, I just heard that in my spirit. I hear the sound of abundance. I hear the sound of abundance. And, and wonderful things have been taking place. I mean... And not just financial. Thank God for the financial. I believe that the reason why God does stuff financially is because it's, it's, it's the beginning place. It's so simple. It's the least of these. But your heart is connected to it. Can I be real with you? You don't have to be in college and just suffering. I mean, either the word of God works or it doesn't. Let me say it again. For those of you that didn't quite catch that. You don't have to be in college and suffer. 
<laughs> it's good news. I, I was so stirred when I came out here. I mean, this is just how it was. I remember coming out here and everybody was talking about the Raymond noodles. And even though I, I loved those things growing up, I didn't know that we ate it because we didn't have much. You know what I mean? I, so I loved it. But when I, when I, when I heard that it was called Raymond noodles out here, I was like, I said, I ain't eating, I'm never touching that again a day in my life. I got some steak faith. I don't even know how to eat a steak properly because we just didn't have that, you know. But, um, but I just believed the word of God and, and saw things happen. And even now, and, and wonderful things. I don't want to go over the finances stuff with you, but I'm talking about people in our church. And I don't have a really large, it's a growing church. It's not the huge church. But there are some people being blessed in the hundreds of thousands. I have one guy getting ready to do a deal that's going to potentially bring about $24 million. So I'm a happy pastor. I'm like, <laughs> you say What? <laughs> You, you ain't leaving me, you're still going to be here at this church? You know, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But it's not about the stuff. I need you to understand this. Like, it's never about the stuff. When God does these things in your life, it's never about the stuff. It's because there's some things that he wants to demonstrate in your life. And that he wants to get into your hands and not into your hands alone, but also through your hands. So Elijah says, hey, I hear the sound of abundance of rain, and he says, go up. And the servant went up seven, six times and saw nothing. And the seventh time he went up and he said, I, I, I only see this, uh, a cloud the size of a man's face. And he said, that's all I need, and, and all these different things. And, and so this rain came, but, but I started thinking, what is it that happened before this happened? And so let's go here in, in 1 Kings 18. And uh, verse, uh, let's see where we're going to. First Kings 18, I'm skipping down some of this stuff. Let's go, let's skip down to verse, let's, okay, verse 2 says, so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. Verse 21, let's skip here, verse 21. And Elijah came to all the people and said this. He said, how long will you falter between two opinions? Because here's what's going on. Elijah is like a judge at this point because the children of Israel, they would go through these cycles, kind of like us, where we're up one day and down the next. We're on fire one day. We go to youth camp. Like, y'all remember going to youth camp, getting on fire and going back to school? And it's like, oh, the fire's gone. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what's happening, you know? And, and it's like up and down, up and down. And, 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 but here it is. These, these people, there, there's some things that just aren't right. And he says, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. And I feel like this is still some of the stuff that God is just saying to us. Like, if the Lord is God, follow him. If your schedule is God, follow that. If the Lord is God, follow him. If, if your choices is God, follow that. If the Lord is God, follow him. If your TikTok and Snapchat time is God, follow that. If the Lord is God, follow him. The friends, those jokers that you're hanging with is God. Follow that. Because I believe that there's some things that he wants to do in our life, but there's some blockages. And I believe this applies to every single one of us. I know we got some really spiritual people in here, but there are always adjustments that we can make. And so skipping some of this, what happens is now Elijah tells them, he said, you know what? Guys, we've gotten some things wrong. He said, y'all got 400 prophets of Baal? 
He said, here's what we're going to do. Let's read it. In verse um, 25, it says, Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourself and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of, of, of your God, but no, put no fire under it. So they took the bull, which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from the morning until even, till noon. Prior to this, he said, hey, what, here's what, what we're going to do. We're both going to set, um, set up some sacrifices. And we're not going to put any fire under it. And the God that answers with fire from heaven, that's the real God. I just kind of like this, this test. And so now, I kind of like how Elijah just kind of does this. And so they start yelling, saying, oh, Baal, Harris, but there was no voice. And no one answered. And verse 27 says, and so it was at noon. So they've been going for some time now. So it was at noon, Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud. For he's a God. Either he is meditating or he's busy or he's on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping, maybe taking a dump somewhere. He's probably on TikTok. I don't know what it is, but he must be awakened. So he's like, hey, get a little bit louder. And so these guys started getting louder and they start cutting themselves and blood gushing out. All I was like, Lord, I wouldn't want to be part of that religion. I don't know what that is, but that ain't, that ain't for me. And so they start, blood is gushing out on them and, and all this different stuff. And... Um, and so no voice again. No one answered. No one paid attention. And now in verse 30, Elijah said to all the people, here's what he does. I love this. He says, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And what did he do? It says, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. So I want you to picture this. He starts saying, everybody, come on. And in front of their face, in front of this site, he starts repairing the altar, what was broken down. I'm not saying we have to have an actual altar. You know, I know this is Old Covenant, but he starts, in other words, he's demonstrating to them that there's some things that we got out of whack. And there's just some adjustments that we have to make, and, and he's, he's building it, and he's demonstrating this. He said, hey, Come on, because the thing is, the adjustments that you're making, it's not just for you. And I know we have hungry hearts here. I love, I love it. Hungry hearts. And, and I believe that there's some things that God wants to do in your life. But could it be that there's some things, there's still some adjustments that we can make. And he starts to build this altar. And then he, uh, it goes on to talk about how he laid the wood down and he cut the bull in two and, and placed it. And then here's something that he did. This is what I call the sacrifice before the sacrifice. He tells them, he said, fill up four water pots with water. Now, what was happening for the last three years? Anybody remembers? Drought. So water is the most valuable thing at this time. More valuable than gold, more valuable than rubies and diamonds. And he says, fill four water pots with water, whatever verse it is. And he says, now pour it on the altar. Now, I, never, I was never part of Raymond Regals or, uh, you know, Boy Scouts or none of that. So I, I can't even light a fire unless there's some matches or something. You know what I mean? But I do know that if you want to light a fire, you don't put water in your wood. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't wet the wood with water and expect there to be fire. But he says, pour out the water on the wood. Then he says, and he built a trench around the altar. What verse is that? So y'all can see it. 
Um, so he repaired the altar. Uh, verse 33 says, and he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. So now we're up to eight water pots. Pour it out. And imagine the people are probably like, I'm thirsty. Right? And what a waste this is. And he says, do it a third time. So now we're up to 12 water pots. This is a waste. This is expensive. Somebody, I don't know where they got the water from, but this is a major drought. He pours it. And then finally what he does is he says, hear me, Lord, verse 37, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I want, listen, I'll say to you, the Lord, he is God. The Lord is God. And I know right now by the Spirit that some of you are making some adjustments in your heart. And I don't know what that looks like. It could be just carving out a little bit more time for God. It could be some unforgiveness that you're holding in your heart that you're, you know, maybe a, a dad that left you or maybe some stuff or maybe parents that, that didn't quite love you the way that it was or maybe some hurtful things that were said to you, but yet they're still, God is just saying, I need you to make room in your heart. Y'all can come up and just, just flow with whatever, but I just sense that there's some adjustments that's taken. I believe that there's some, there's some things in our heart and some adjustments, there's some, some tweaking that, that, that God is doing in our heart. And, and really, I just want to suggest just be sensitive to that. I don't know what that looks like for you. It could be certain friends that you have that you're like, but I've been with them for, you know, since high school, since middle school, but are they, what type of influence are they having on you? The Lord is God, how long will you falter between two opinions? And here's the thing is when those adjustments were made, when those, I don't know what those altars look like in your life, but there may be some things that you set down that you need to rebuild, that you need to repair. And we're just saying, God, I just make room for you. I make room for you to do whatever it is that you want me to do, to do whatever it is that you're placing in my heart. Let's all stand to our feet real quick. And I don't know who I'm talking to here because I can tell that you're a great bunch of, of young adults have a heart for God, have a passion for God and I celebrate that and, and I'm not, I'm not I, I hope this never comes across as condemning or anything but really just to challenge you just what are those things? Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God you've been made righteous. Nobody has better access to God than you do because we all can come to him by the blood of Jesus. But while that's happening, what are some things that he's asking you to do? What are some things that you're watching that you shouldn't be watching? Some things that you're listening to that you shouldn't be listening to? I believe he's calling and he's summoning us to just come up a little bit higher. Just come up higher. Doesn't matter if nobody else is doing it. Doesn't matter if those that went ahead of you that they no longer have the passion that they had. You don't have to follow that example. You know one thing I love about Joshua 
um, in Exodus, I believe it's chapter 33. You know, Moses is talking about how he went into the temple and, and, and the cloud. And I don't know if you know this, but the glory is still here. It was, it was already here and it's still here. And so there's different purposes, there's different things. I, I was just going to sit in that for some time, but the Lord was like, no, go ahead and share this. And I was like, no, this is so sweet. I don't want to, I don't have to ever share anything. As y'all can tell, I'm not the greatest preacher. I can barely talk properly. But I believe that this is what God wanted for us because even if it was for just one person to make that adjustment. So when that cloud came down, the Bible talks about how even after Moses left the tabernacle, it says that Joshua, the son of Nun, he stayed in the tabernacle. It's not, it's not a wonder why he ended up being the one to take over after Moses. Because he would just spend time. He just, he just understood how important those times in the presence of God is to just do that. And, and that's why I love it. Your heart, your desire to come here, uh, to show up week in, week out. Even though, well, y'all just came back from spring break, right? Or I don't know. Yeah. So no exams. But even though you could be doing something else on a Monday night. I love that. And I'm excited, not just about now, but I'm excited to see. You know, there were people that poured into my life that I'm just like, 20 years later, I can be like, I'm so thankful that they did. And they can look at my life and say, man, look at that kid go. I still, I I feel like I got to 25 and I just stopped. I never, you know, I, I don't know what happened. I remember when, they were talking about young adults, and I was like, oh, cool. And they capped the age off at a certain place. I was like, what? What do you mean? I, I really thought I was, a, I didn't know what the age was, where the age ended, where you're no longer a young adult. Because I seriously thought I still was in the category of young adult. That's how naive I was. Say so you're still a young adult. Say it. No, say, I'm, say you're still a point at me and say you're still a young adult. <laughs> Follow directions. Come on. Here's what I want to do. And this is what's in my heart. I know we got to get out of here, but this is just what I sense. I feel like, now this isn't for everybody, but if you're, if, if you're saying that, God, you're speaking to me, that there's, there's some adjustments that I need to make. And you're just, just as an act of consecration, just as an act, you're saying, uh, that's me, Lord. I'm, I'm ready to make those adjustments. I'm ready to make that change. And I just want you to come forward and, and you can stand, you can kneel. You don't have to if you don't want to. Uh, but just as that act, you just, you're just coming forward. I'm not saying I'm going to pray for you. We're just going to just spend a little bit of time and then we'll get out of here or whatever. But you just come forward. So we'll sing something and, um, and just come as you want to, you know. Again, this is not a thing like, so don't think that people come up here, oh, they must be dealing with some kind of sin. No, it's just, you know, I, I'm going to come because there's still some adjustments that I can make where I'm saying, God, I just, I, I do want to make that, that, that adjustment. I'm just making room in my heart. That's cool, yeah. Just making that adjustment in my heart. Um, thank you, Lord.
choice. I'll make room for you. Good choice. Yeah, let's do that. Let's just spend some time worshiping and whatever it is. You're just laying that down on the altar. You're saying, God, I lay my life down. I'm picking up my cross. It's a daily choice. Daily that you're picking up your cross. Daily you're disowning yourself. Daily you're denying yourself. Daily you're, you're laying down those decisions because those challenges will always be there. Those, those thoughts to try to come and just, just, just get you to, to side in with that. Every day thoughts are coming to your mind. Every day you're being bombarded with these different things. And, but again, if the Lord is God, follow him. If the culture is God, follow that. If the Lord is God, follow him. If what society tells you that you have to be is God, then follow that. But I believe that God is God, that the Lord is God. And so we're just saying that we're a generation of people that are saying that we're going to follow God. We're going to go hard after him. We're going we're gonna to give it our all. We're going to stretch. We're going to keep pressing towards those things that are ahead. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining us. We believe that through this message, you were inspired and encouraged to grow in your daily walk with God. See you next time on the Raymond Young Adults Podcast.